All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I uh, want to start reading verse 1. We'll read down to verse 6. I don't know if we'll be able to cover everything today, uh, but certainly we'll try to, to do our best to make sure that we don't take too much where we leave without being able to process it all. Make sure that we take just the right amount that the Lord has for us today. Verse 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the Bible says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which now, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud, defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also have forewarned you and testified. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have today to be here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I pray that I would not uh, distract the hearers, Father, from the message that you have for us today. I pray, Lord, you'd use me, and I pray that you just keep me out of the way, Father, my, my faults and my shortcomings. Lord, I pray that it would just be completely lost here today because we would not be focused on man, but on the message that you have for us today. Lord, I pray that this would be a message that we'd leave here today, Father, determined to grow, Father, and to be sanctified, Father, to uh, to live a holy life separated unto you, Father. Lord, I love you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the last two chapters in First Thessalonians have a lot to do with holy living. Now, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. After salvation, the Lord does not say, Okay, I'm done with you. You're saved. That's why I'm not. I, I, that's why me as a pastor, I believe the Great Commission, as according to Scripture, has been given to us as a church. And I believe we need to go. I believe when we go to other towns and we go to villages or what have you, we go there with the ultimate purpose of seeing a church started there. Not just, listen, to be an awful thing to go, as so many are doing today, to go to so many villages and just saturate it. And we have the easy believism crowd with that they'll go to a certain town or village and they'll go in and, and it just seems like uh, 99% of the people in, in that village make a profession of faith and then they leave and there's no church there. Can I say this? If people are saved, if it was revival like that and people truly were saved, there would be a church birth there. Amen? And if not, I say shame on the pastor and shame on the people that are going there because that is what God has called us to do. We're not just to go and preach the gospel to every creature, but we're to teaching them that you know certain things, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you look into that, it's important that we do that. So the Lord's not just happy that, that we're saved, but after salvation, there comes some things in our life. We are to continue to grow. The Bible says here in verse 2, that you would abound more, more and more. We live in a day when Christians are very proud about, about what they can do and what they can get away with. So many people, well, I can get away with this because, 
well, we are no longer under the law. We are under grace, and I can do this, and I can do that, and I can say, yes, praise the Lord for that. But my Bible still says in Exodus chapter, or I'm sorry, in Numbers chapter 32, a verse that my mom quoted to us over and over and over. She didn't quote the, the whole verse, but she quoted the last part of the verse where it says, be sure your sin will find you out. Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's how, and it, we could go on and preach a message just out of Galatians chapter 6, and uh, in, in verse 7 and 8, and, and going down through there. I find in my personal life that I find that my shortcomings are revealed through the lives of my kids. I find a lot of times the kids say something or they'll do something or they'll act in a certain way. And it's like the Holy Spirit of God says, that's why you need to watch yourself. That's why you need to guard yourself. That's why you need to behave yourself even more. And boy, it's a sobering thought when you see that. We look at our text today and we find, first of all, we find here in verse three, he says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Romans chapter 12, a very familiar verses of scripture. I think these were actually, because uh, anybody tell me these were, were uh, some memory verses at one time. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Anybody can remember this? I think so. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. There we have the will of God. And in that context, in the will of God, it's talking about living a holy, a sacrificial, holy life unto the Lord. God, God's will for his children is they live a holy life. And that holy life requires some separate separating, some separation. Amen. We need to live a separated life unto the Lord. God called us to holiness, and he requires that we should be holy. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, Follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, I was thinking about this this morning. I was up, I had my prayer time, and I was sitting there just kind of getting my thoughts together. I was thinking about this. How many of the children of Israel that came out of Egypt saw God? Now, they saw the power of God, but I mean saw God. One, Moses. Moses. And that's the man that God used. And you say, well, yeah, I'm just going to be one of the congregation. Uh, uh, so which one? The one mold, molding the calf? Or, the, you know, what, which one are you going to be? I would want to be the one who sees God. I want to see God in my life. I want to see God in the lives of my kids. I want to see God do a work in my life. Folks, I've told you time and time again in this church, I am not willing to come to River Valley Baptist Church and to spend my life preaching the Word of God and to die and fall off the scene. And it's just another church that put in its time and then it's done. I'm not willing that we should do that. And you say, well, you mean, that's just what happens. Yeah, that happens to millions and millions of churches out there who are already dead but don't know it. And I don't want to be part of a dead church. I want a church to be alive, moving forward, winning souls, planting churches. And you say, well, yeah, but that takes money. No, it takes a God that's a living God, and it's a real God, and it takes our faith in that God. Amen. And so we find here, he says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Sanctification, it consists in two things. In ceasing to do evil. When a Christian 
becomes a Christian, there's some things that they no longer will do. You say, well, do you, do you pass out a list as a Baptist and, and tell them you're not allowed to do that? No, but the Holy Spirit of God does. <clears throat> we don't listen. Contrary to popular belief in our area, we don't say that you can't come to our church if you do this and this and this and if you wear this and this and this. Absolutely not. We preach the Bible. And we try to submit ourselves wholly unto the leading of the, of the Spirit of God. Amen. So we find, first of all, sanctification consists of ceasing to do evil. When you become a Christian, there's some things that you will no longer do. Now, that's not a one-time thing. It's a process. Over and over and over until this old sin-sick body, this old flesh that we are in, dies. Amen. And our spirit and our soul is released from it to never sin anymore. Praise the Lord. So ceasing to do evil, every that's the part of the growing in grace. And then not just ceasing to do evil, because if you say, well, I'm going to cease to do evil, then you're like a lot of other religions. You were like the, like the Pentecostals. You're like the Westlands. I mean, we could go down the line and talk about the different religions who, who are trying to get to heaven because they're trying not to do certain things. But we don't go to heaven because we don't do certain things. We're going to heaven because of what something has been done. The, the blood has been shed, our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in ceasing to do evil, yes, it's the first part. But the second part is learning to do good. You can come here and you can make a decision. You can come before the altar and you can stand up here in front of everybody and say, listen, I'm going to make a decision to to the best of my ability. I am never going to sin again. I'm not going to say anything that's evil. I'm not going to think any evil thoughts. And we would all stand there and think, man, we're not going to be rude to you, but you're a liar. You're either lying, you're greatly deceived, or you, you will be greatly disappointed. But listen. It can't be. Salvation doesn't come because we cease to do evil. We cease to do evil because salvation has come. And we are learning to avoid certain things. We separate ourselves. We cease to do evil. And then at the same time, and why you're here today, and why you're sitting in the pews today, and you have a Bible on your lap, and when I say turn to such, you turn there because you don't want to take a man's word for it. You want to know that God's saying it, that we learn to do good. We cease from evil, but then at the same time, we're learning to do good. Because you, you see, when you stop a habit, you replace it with something else. You say, well, I, I try to, our, our family, I, I try to be very strict. We allow, uh, like, soft drinks, uh, certain, certain cases of uh, birthday parties and things like that. But we, we try to be really strict. Some of them don't follow as strict as we'd like them to. And if they're away somewhere and visiting just so if they had a pop-up or something, they'd be getting big gulps of Mountain Dew, you know, riding around. But anyway, I guess that's the privilege. I remember going with my pop-up. He, he didn't like Coke and stuff like that. He would have a fit. You had to drink water or chocolate milk or something like that, orange juice. And, but anyway, and we tried to, we tried to take certain things that, are, that, that in excess is not good for you, but you can't say, well, I'm not going to drink pop anymore. I'm done. I'm done drinking. I'm not going to drink anymore. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to dehydrate. You're going to wither away. You've got to replace it with something. And you replace it with water. Amen. And so when we remove evil, we, we cease to do evil. We are ceasing to do evil. We need to be learning to do good. In other words, the, the first work of sanctification is overcoming the evil in our nature. And checking and subduing the unholy habits which we have formed. 
before we became a Christian. The second part is a work. It consists in cultivating the positive principles of holiness in our soul. So we are ceasing to do certain things. And you say, well, yeah, but, you know, it used to be on, on a Saturday night, man, I'd be out in the town. I'd be doing this. And guess what you do? You cease to do that, but you replace that by spending time reading the word of God, by sending, spending time praying and getting ready and getting your heart ready and, 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 and really seeking the Lord's face. So when you come to church, it's not just about entertainment. You don't like the good singing or, or this or that, but <coughs> excuse me, you're looking to receive something from the Lord. Amen. This is not just or only just a general calling, but in many particulars are included. We find in our passage today, sanctification means purity of life. And abstinence from those those vices which debase and degrade the soul and bring shame to our Lord. You know, see, I'm, I'm a believer, like, because what I was taught as a child and as I saw it when I became a man, I saw in the scriptures that, yes, when it says, Thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain, you know, I put two and two together, and two and two in my math still equals four. And so when I said, take the Lord's, don't, you shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. So if you call yourself a Christian and you're not acting like a Christian, then you're taking the Lord's name in vain. And we need to be careful of that. He says, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. He goes on that you should abstain from fornication. Here we have a caution against uncleanness. This being a, a sin directly contrary to sanctification. And you say, preacher, I know, but look at our church and look how we live in our lives. I'm looking at the culture that we are living in, the culture that we're bringing up our children in. And if you want to just sit back and act like it's no big deal, that's fine with you, but you're going to lose. And you're going to lose miserably. We live in a day where marriage is looked on with disdain. I remember working with certain people and I would say they'd be living with with somebody, and I'd say, so when are you getting married? Oh, man, I'm not getting married. That's just not my thing. That's not my style. And I try to talk to them, and you can't change somebody in their thinking until the Holy Spirit of God comes in and takes control of that person. We have, we have our government recognizing all sorts of marriages. Same sex, we have common law. You know, listen, I believe we need to make sure that we go on record as saying this. No matter what the government says or how many laws that they pass marriage, is still between one man and one woman for one lifetime. That is according to Scripture. We didn't make that up. We didn't say that's what we think we're going to follow. We didn't take a vote on it. We didn't say, what do you think we should do as a church? No, because it's already settled. There's certain things that we don't have to vote on. It's already been settled, amen, and settled for all eternity. And common law marriage is, is not a legitimate marriage, no matter how long a person may be together. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable and all in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. The government, our government, has no right to change the definition of marriage. God performed the first marriage ceremony, he performed the first wedding way back in the Garden of Eden. And, and, and the Lord gave us these commands to follow. He gave us these commands. Notice in the time that this was in, this was in a, the, the Roman culture was, was marked by, by immorality. It wasn't a culture that, well, you know, praise the Lord. You know, when the Roman Catholic Church says, we are Roman Catholics, like very proud, that's not something to be proud of. 
It's not something to be proud of. No, it was ungodliness. At this time in the Roman Empire, chastity and, 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 and immorality and, and purity were almost unknown virtues, except before God's people. And we find Christians were to take their standards of morality from God and not from the culture. We get our standard for living from the word of God. We don't say, yes, I know, but the day and age we live in now, things are different. Absolutely. And they're waxing worse and worse. And folks, I'm going to tell you, we need to be careful. We need to be vigilant. We need to raise our kids. We need to hold to some things that are Bible doctrines that if we're going to, if we're going to compromise them, guess what the Lord's going to say? He says, I'm going to come by and I'm going to take that candlestick away from you. We're just a bunch of people gathering here today that we're no longer a New Testament church. And if you want to throw out the Bible doctrines, that's fine because that's exactly what will happen. The warning was given in Revelation to the seven churches. And it's a warning that we need to heed today. All that is contrary to chastity and heart, speech and behavior is contrary to the commands of God and contrary to that holiness which the gospel requires. Now listen, when a person gets saved, I'm not saying that automatically when a person gets saved, it's just like, my goodness, what has happened? Uh, uh, everything's gone. There's no more wickedness in their life. No, because... As we go on, as we grow in grace, we learn things as we go. As we study the Word of God, we learn things that we are to abstain from. And if we get to the point, as the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, here in verse, um, verse 22, where it says, Abstain from all evil, all appearance of evil. Well, that's a no-brainer to abstain from all evil, Right? My Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. If it appears to be evil, to abstain from it. He goes on to say here, he says that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel and sanctification and honor. And he said, well, this should be something that's taught to the world. No, this is the Lord's teaching to his churches. And he's teaching the River Valley Baptist Church today. The word vessel here in the context refers to the body, our body. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It's no, so you know it's not me. It's the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You no longer have a right to say that I'm going to do this and I'm going to go there. It's about me. No, it's not about you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, I'm going to drink a little bit of alcohol if I want to. That's fine, but you will be judged. The Lord will judge you for that because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Well, I'm going to smoke a little bit. I'm going to, it's legal now. I'm going to smoke a little bit of weed. I'm going to sit off in the corner and I want to forget my troubles in the day. You go right ahead. But if you are saved Christian, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. It's very clear what the will of God is for the Christian. The idea of being sanctified is, is to be set apart, and God wants us to set apart from a godless culture. 
We hear people saying things like, it's my body. I can do with it what I want. And I know we automatic, automatically go and we think about abortion when we say that. It's my body. Well, actually, it's not your body. It's somebody else's body. It's another soul. And you're getting ready to murder that soul. But you well, it's my body. How dare you, preacher, tell me that I can't. I'm not. I'm just repeating what the Lord has said. Don't get mad at the messenger. I mean, somebody come in here right now and they said, hey, 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 oh, wait, the building's on fire. If we were here Thursday night and we were looking at some of the wire up here, and so I'd, I'd be gone. I'm telling you right now, I'd be gathering up my kids and I'd be out of here. I'd holler at you, better leave. But if we said, come on, I don't even smell smoke. I remember one time that somebody come down and was really upset and wanted to fight me because I got him out of bed. Because the building was on fire. I mean, I, sorry, going back there, buddy. <laughs> Have a good life. The next 15 minutes or so. I mean, seriously. If somebody come in here screaming and holler, guess what we'd do? We'd want to listen to them. Because something's happening. Something's happening. And just as the preacher preaches the word of God, we need to set up, we need to take a listen, and we need to pay attention to what is said. No, it's not our body. It's not our choice to do what we want with it. We are a possession of God. We are the Lord's. It's one thing for a child of the devil to say this, to make a statement like that, but it's an altogether different ballgame for God's people to be caught up in things. You know, we need to be careful that we're not too caught up in the social activities of our day, trying to change certain social activities we're out for social injustice. I'm telling you, we're going, and people are still dying and going to hell. We don't like, I, I can tell you, people who their campaign is to end abortion. And I'm glad. But if abortion ended tomorrow, there'd still be people lost and going to hell. I know people who their campaign is, is against liquor. And I'm, 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 I'm for that. I'd like every liquor store, every government liquor store to, to burn up, all the bottles to break and it run down. Now, they start burning up around the area. It's not me. I, I'm not going to go burn them down, but I won't do anything to put out fire, amen. I might not even call 911 if I see one on fire. But if we outlawed all liquor, all drugs, all cigarettes, and all bars were closed, and all places of, of you know, bars and what have you. And we come next Sunday, there'd still be people that were lost and on their way to hell. So folks, it's not about closing things and stopping things. It's about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. We are to present our bodies, Romans 12, 1, as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God. The Bible says, which is our reasonable service. It's our, our reasonable service. In the context where we are today, it's talking about our body. Now we are to abstain from certain things. Flee, flee, the Bible says back in, in 1 Corinthians, to flee fornication. And I believe that could even enter our homes through television, if we accept it, if we sit there and we endorse it. I believe the Bible says, and I want us to listen. I'll, I'll, listen, we, 
you're no longer able to walk out of here and say, well, I don't know. I didn't know that because you're getting ready to know. The Bible talks about in Romans chapter one about those things, those people that do those things and how the judgment of God abideth on them. Those people, and I'm just paraphrasing because of lack of time, but he says in those who have pleasure in them. Those who take pleasure in them. That's that can be us. It can be us taking pleasure in ungodliness. May God have mercy on us. We are to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. God created men, God created women with certain desires. It's a natural thing. That's how God created us. A Christian should have their guard up at all times. At all times. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And if you want to drop your guard and you want to say, I'm just, I'm too, you know, that had never happened to me. That's somebody else. You can go right ahead. You can do, you can go ahead. That's your choice. You can do that. But you'll face the consequences. You know, just simple things like, I won't be found having a one-on-one conversation, a deep conversation with somebody of the opposite sex without my wife there. I've never, I've, I've been asked the 10 years that I passed through this church. I've been asked a lot of times if I would meet with a certain several women in certain places. And I say, absolutely. One woman, I was like, yeah, absolutely. So when can I said, uh, we can meet on, on, it had to be uh, the evenings because I said, we have to get somebody to watch the kids. So my wife can be there. He said, well, come on, preacher, don't you trust yourself? No, absolutely, I don't. Because I'm human. I'm human. We need to be careful. We need to guard ourselves. We need to guard ourselves. And I just say this. The emails that I received, they come on my phone. Well, my phone's not the only ones that receive my emails. My wife gets the same emails. If I log into my email account from anywhere, I use a password. My wife has the same password. If I log into our bank account, I use a password. My wife can log into the same same one. You say, well, what are you saying? We don't have separate things. We are not. We are no longer two people. We have become one. Right. And you say, well, it's me, and it's you, and it's her, and it's I, and, and it's him and me. No, what you're doing is you're driving a wedge. You're driving a wedge. You're putting a wedge down there that Satan is pleased and God is not honored. Right. No, it shouldn't be that way. Listen, I know the old, the old, you know, the, the joke about, well, you know, what's what's uh, what's his is mine, and what's 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 mine is his, and or, or how's it go? Uh, what's what's hers is hers, and what's mine's hers too, right? <laughs> I was going to say that, like the emails that come to come to both phones. I love it at Christmas time, amen. No surprises around our house. She likes to shop on Amazon. I love that. She said, "Don't look at the emails coming through." Bling. I won't. <laughs> you know, we are guarding ourselves from the temptation of the evil one. And you say, "Well, I'm strong enough to take fire." I, you say, "Well, I, I, I'm strong enough to take fire into my bosom and not get burned." Well, the Bible says you're not. But if you say that you are, you're joining the ranks of thousands of others who thought the very same thing. And it ended in disaster. 
Any listen. Anytime you drive a wedge and you separate, and it's not just one. There's a separation when it becomes two. That's not God honoring, because the Bible says that two shall be one. You see, yeah, that's old fashioned. Praise the Lord. It's not. I told you the Bible's not old fashioned. It's eternal. Amen. They don't say, well, that's old fashioned. It's eternal. And it's been proven over and over and over again that it never fails. There's nobody. There is not, not one single marriage that has they have based what they believe and what they do off of the word of God where the marriage ended in divorce or disaster. Never. If they did it according to the word of God. We need to be careful. We need to be guarding ourselves. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Appearance of evil. He said, well, I know, but you, you don't stand like at work, you know, when we go out and, and we'll grab a lunch together. I'm telling you, it will end a disaster. It will end a disaster. I would hate to think that my wife was working somewhere and I drove by at lunchtime and she was sitting somewhere having lunch with another man. It's a big deal. I mean, they work together. Well, I'd be in prison for the rest of my life. But it was just a just a simple little lunch. Not to me, it wouldn't be. And I think it would be the same way if she rode by and I was sitting there. He said, well, yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, you don't understand the circumstances, I know. And that's why it's wrong. It's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Can I say that your body needs to be guarded? It needs to be guarded. God is interested in what you're doing with your body. He's not just saying, like, I mean, do whatever. It's just your body. I mean, I can smoke. I can drink. I can just do whatever I want. And, and it's going to break all down. Yeah. But you're the only one that's got that attitude because the Lord doesn't. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Meaning that each and every one of us in his building today were made by God. God made you. You know, another thing, I just just in passing, we don't need to educate our children on things that they have no business knowing. Until that day, they stand before a preacher and they stand before God and they say, I do. That's what it's supposed to be like. Oh, well, but, but you don't understand. Society society is wrong, has always been wrong, always will be wrong, but the Bible is right. You don't educate your kids in things they have no business knowing about until they say, I do. Amen. Every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. One of the meanings of the word possess is to have power over as an invisible agent or spirit. You need to make sure that you have power over your own body. Your, your own lust, your desires, you need to make sure that you control that. That's why you have a pastor that is constantly saying, if I sound like a broken record and if you get upset, you have to take it up with the Lord. Memorize scripture, memorize scripture, memorize scripture. Turn off the TV, turn off the computer, memorize scripture. The next, well, I can't memorize, preacher. I, I can't memorize that verse. It's too hard of a verse. But you can sit there and watch five hours a week, watch the TV, seven, eight hours a week on Facebook, and you can't memorize one single verse. I'm speaking for all of us. God have mercy on us. It doesn't matter what's going to be posted on Facebook or what movie they're going to be showing or what ball game they're playing or hockey game. What It doesn't matter. But my goodness, eternity matters. And for us as parents, it's even more important than grandparents to teach our kids the right way to live. We know how to possess 
are vessels in sanctification and honor, the Bible says. The vessel, the body, the flesh, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's, it's just a shell that the soul and the spirit are dwelling in while we are roaming this earth. But it's not just something that we just discard because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. We are to use it to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. We are stewards of the body that the Lord has allowed us to use while we are here. You see, what you see today, it's, this is not Andrew Nisley. What you're looking at is not me. This is the body that I'm using while I'm here. And I'm a steward of this. And I need to take care of it. That's why what we say is so important. That's why what we listen to is so important. That's why what we wear is important. That's why where we go is so important. That's why all that we do is so very important. Because it's either bringing glory or shame to the Lord, our Savior. I want to read something real quickly and we'll close. It was written by Oswald Chambers in Sanctification. He said, Sanctification means intense concentration on God's point of view. It means every power of body, soul, and spirit is chained and kept for God's purpose only. It will cause us intense narrowing of all our interest on earth. Intense narrowing of all our interests on earth. And an immense broadening of all our interest in God. Are we prepared for God to do all in us that he separated us for? The reason some of us have not entered into the experience of sanctification is that we have not realized its meaning from God's standpoint. Sanctification means being made one with Jesus so that the disposition that ruled him will rule us. Jesus has prayed that we might be one with him as he is one with the Father. The one and only characteristic of the Holy Spirit in a person is a strong family likeness to Jesus Christ and freedom from everything that is unlike him. Somebody else says, I don't know who said this, but somebody said holiness, not happiness, is the chief end of man. Well, I want to be happy. I, I, I just want to have a happy life. How about we say I want to be holy? I want to have a holy life. Remember what I said about that speck of sand dropped into the middle of the ocean? That's not even a good comparison with our life in eternity. It's not. Hebrews 12, 14, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, you'd use this message. Father, I know that you've given it to me. And Father, I know that it was a message that you had for me to preach here today. Lord, may we use it, Father. May we be stirred up. And Father, stirred up to change, to be holy. Father, as you conform us into the image of your Son. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.